Hello and welcome to season three of Who You Don't See, the podcast celebrating the people behind the stars. From choreographers and stylists to makeup artists and video directors, if they're part of a celebrity's team, we are all about getting to know them. I'm your host, Megan Lawson, and this season we're taking you back to the 90s and noughties, a time of low-rise jeans, frosted lip gloss and Von Dutch caps. Super excited to say our guest this week is Nick Huggett, a music manager responsible for signing some of the biggest names in pop. I was just struck by this really confident woman that kind of had this incredible voice, wrote these great songs, had like the mouth like a sewer, and was like really funny and charismatic and charming. There he is talking about the one and only Adele, an artist who went on to sing at Nick's wedding alongside every major stage around the world. Adele aside, he's also signed MIA, Dizzy Rascal and Kicks, and promises to have the next generation of big names on his books. In our chat, we speak about tough talks with artists, why audition performances can be awkward and the artists that got away. Enjoy. Got you, that's working. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. I've just moved into a new house, so you'll have to excuse... That's all right. <laughs> excuse, plane. excuse the chaos behind me. For real. All right yeah. then, Nick. Well, if you're ready to start... Yeah, yeah, whenever you are. Let's crack on. So I was trying to do some research about you earlier, and mm. I don't actually know what A&R means. What does it mean to work in A&R? Yeah, I think it's one of those sort of slightly mystical um, things. And, and when I first got approached to do A&R, I had to sort of, similar thing, I had to ask myself, well, what does what is that and what does it mean? And and I had to find someone who could explain it to me. And even then, they couldn't quite explain it to me. So I guess everyone has their own interpretation of, of it. But A&R, as you know, a, the, the letter A, letter I, stands for artist and repertoire. That's what it's technically known as. And essentially, it's the talent scout, but it, it can be so, it, it, it can be and is so much more than that. Like traditionally, an A&R person who worked for a record company was the person that would match the song to the artist they might actually be a songwriter themselves they might be a producer um at the time that i came into doing a&r as i say it was much more someone who discovered the act and signed them to the record label but as i found out through doing the job uh your involvement doesn't just stop at signing the artist or just discovering the artist and signing the artist there's there's a lot of nuance involved depending on the record label you work for, the artist you work with. So, um, yeah, that's that's. I don't, I don't know if I'll explain explain no, that. You, uh, yeah, I, is that an explanation of what A and R is? It's it, it, A and R is not one thing, but everything. But it, essentially, it's the talent scouting and the discovery of talent, I guess. No, you've, that's a perfect summary. So take, you said that okay. you were asked to work in A&R. What were you doing? What job were you in? What role were you in? Whereby so, you were in a position to be asked to do that? Well, I knew 
when I was at school, I went to work in music in some capacity. Didn't quite know what that was. Didn't have any particular musical talent, but I loved music. I was very passionate about it. And when I went to the careers advisor at school, they couldn't, they couldn't, um, when I told them I went to work in music, they couldn't really kind of give me any kind of idea about what jobs were available or um, how to get in, in. So I went and worked in a record store locally in Croydon. Um, and and through that, I just sort of learned a lot about music by listening to it. I, I, I figured that by working in a record store, I would be able to listen to all the music that I didn't have the like you know it's not like now where you can access all music you had to have money to pay for records or tapes or CDs or whatever so so to access music listen to music digest it understand it you know that seemed like a like a best you know like a useful way to educate myself a little bit I guess by being in a record store being able to listen to all of the classic Beatles, Stones, Miles Davis, James Brown, uh, Jimi Hendrix, like that's whoever, a playlist. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were working in this record store with this incredible. Ah, sorry, yeah. So, 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 so I was working in record stores, uh, and then I worked in a, in a specialist record store uh, in in Soho in London, which was in the sort of sort of alternative dance scene, hip hop, um, jazz, dance kind of club like club scene in London so so I got to know quite a lot of DJs that I was fans of. I was a fan of a DJ called James Avell and he had a very cool record label in the 90s called Mowax and uh, I kind of made it my mission to get to know him and I, I got to know him to the point that he kind of like offered me an uh, opportunity to A&R for him which was like a dream come true. That was a dream opportunity, you know. It's kind yeah, of, it's kind of what, what I'd kind of set my, uh, yeah, I'd set my sights on that and managed to get that. So that was great because that made me feel as though, well, okay, so I had this goal, this idea, and that happened. So maybe if I keep kind of like coming up with these kind of goals, I can keep achieving those those things, you know. So uh, so James Avell that came to me and said, oh, I think, you know, maybe you could should come and do A&R for me. And as I say, I didn't quite understand what that was, but it sounded exciting. I what I knew about it, it seemed like an exciting, cool thing to do. I feel yeah. like looking at the artists you've worked with over the years, it is an exciting, cool thing to do. Listing yeah, totally. Yeah, listing some names you've worked with, Dizzy Rascal, M.I.A., the Rizzle Kicks, Adele, just some of the artists you have signed. How did it, yeah. how did an artist get onto your radar? Let's talk about, I think, let's obviously go for Adele. How does somebody like Adele get onto your radar? Well, I, I um when 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 I when I got introduced to Adele, when, when I sort of discovered Adele or introduced to Adele, it was it was um I'd already kind of had some success in the music business as you say with, with, with Dizzy Rascal and MIA and so I had some experience and I so I had the opportunity to have a scout so I had a, a scout working for me a guy called Tick and he was sort of feeding me lots of stuff from MySpace oh. and around that and MySpace was like a real, like a real game changer as as TikTok is now so so whereas someone like Dizzy Rascal came through Pirate Radio uh Adele came through, uh, through Adele came through MySpace, 
Uh, so obviously, the, you know, there was some awareness within the music business about this new thing, MySpace, and there was your top eight friends, and there was all these artists, and there was things going on. There was a kind of scene in London, and so, so Tick kind of sent me in and amongst like a bunch of links to uh, various artists on MySpace, and Adele was one of them. And so I heard that, and just kind of the hairs on the back of my neck kind of stood up. And I was like, I need to meet this girl. She sounds amazing, and. And it, and it took some convincing to, like, get her to come and meet me, but a person... What do you mean? Tell me through that. What did the convincing... Well, because you could... It was... I guess it was... A, MySpace was a way to, like, have a direct uh, communication with an artist or an artist have a direct communication with a record label or a manager or whoever. So, so that was... You know, before that, how did you contact uh, an artist or a record label? You had to kind of work through bunch of contacts and, and, and your network and stuff but, I, but all of a sudden I could message and I, I could hear an artist and message them directly so I messaged them and she just wouldn't respond to my messages playing hard and, to get <laughs> yeah well I think she didn't quite know what to make of of, of it who, who who I was who Excel was so I had to use an artist called Jack Pignata I said, I'd signed Jack Pignata and I said to him well can't get this girl to respond to my messages but she really likes you because you're in a top eight friend so perhaps you can vouch for me and say I'm legit and that she should come and meet me and so we did that but um so so yeah and so you eventually get to meet Adele where was it a cafe did she come to an office no, she came to my office I went and she didn't really know the, uh, so I was working at Excel and the Excel office is in Labrick Grove, which didn't really know the area. So I just met her off the tube, brought her to the office. She was with her friend. We sat down, we chatted. Um, and Do you remember your yeah. first impressions of a, a baby? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, she struck me as incredibly confident. I don't know if it was like bravado or, you know, she was 18, just turned 18. So I don't know if it was bravado or if it was like genuine confidence, but I, I feel it was genuine. She has a confidence about her. And, and uh, so, yeah, it was just, I was just struck by this really confident woman that kind of had this incredible voice, wrote these great songs, had like a mouth like a sewer <laughs> and was like really funny and charismatic and charming. And we, we, just, we just hit it off right away. And so then she's there in, a, in your office. What do you need to do to almost like, do you, does she have to sing for you? Do you, Where does the conversation go? No, I mean, that's, that's that, I think that's like the X factor kind of idea of what, what it is when you kind of meet an artist. Like, uh, yes, like artists have turned up and decided they want to sing for me. It's really fucking embarrassing. <laughs> you know? um, like when an artist breaks into song in the middle of a meeting, like I really... That's awkward, you know? Yeah, the intensity um, of that performance for you. <laughs> yeah. So I, did, I wasn't interested. I just, all I want to do is I just want to, like, meet someone and, like, get a feel for them. And I want them to get a feel for me and see if we get on. And then and then you, you just need to establish a rapport with someone. And then from there, you know, you can, um, you can figure it out. I know you must have established a rapport with Adele because she ended up singing at your wedding. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean we we we're very close and and um, yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing when you meet artists when they're sort of eighteen, 
18, 19, you know, and they're very young and you sort of work with them through. And so you're with them a lot through a kind of really um, pivotal part of their life. And also you become part of like helping them realise their dreams and their ambitions, you know. So I think it, it, it bonds you in a, in a certain way. Yeah. yeah, I guess you're one sort of like a manager. You are also probably a therapist because you know the industry better than them. So when they're having all these wobbles, you're the one who's talking them through. You might be a bit of a career coach as well because you're like, okay, well, these are your possible avenues. Going back to what we said at the start of the chat about A&R, you said it's all about signing them. I'm guessing it's not just about that initial signing then. So how does your work unfold with an artist over the years? Well, as you said, yeah, the initial thing is signing them. But from there, then there's like an ongoing kind of process of like figuring out like what 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 the way forward is and what the best, you know, best way to kind of like get to where you want to get to. So you just, it's, it's, it's for a lot of conversation and suggestion and, and you, you draw on your own experience to kind of like find people to kind of put around the artist, whether it's a, a, a producer or a writer, a collaborator, a manager, publisher, you know, whatever it is, um, an agent, you know, you, you, you can, if you're the first person professionally involved with them, then you can help, you can be there, you can be their sounding board or their, or the person that can introduce them to, 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 to their team. So what, again, coming back to Adele, because I just think she is, everybody's fucking obsessed with her. What kind of mm. chats do you have, did you have initially with her? And I don't know, can you see a flowchart of the initial conversations you had to the artist, like the world global superstar she's become today? No, I mean, it, she didn't have a manager. So so the first thing was, and, and also she didn't have a lawyer. So I introduced her to um, her, her manager and her lawyer. Um that was important she was very instinctive about which who she chose in that she she just met them liked them and went right okay Jonathan you're my manager Paul you're my uh, lawyer you know she she didn't have feeling, to like yeah yeah she so so she trusted her own instincts which was something that I encouraged her to continue to to do and that served her well I think so um so yeah so the so the so from that initial thing, I, I think I knew, I thought she was great. Did I know that she was going to be the huge superstar that she is today? No. I don't think anyone goes into it initially thinking, I just think that would just seem totally unrealistic to go into something thinking that. But it's incredible when that happens. Yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible. Can we just go back to your wedding briefly? What did she perform for mm. you? Oh, so so the, the funny thing was that all of her songs were sort of about heartbreak and stuff, so not very <laughs> suitable for a wedding, but she wrote one song that was a bit more optimistic, which was a song called Crazy For You. It was on her first day album, and we just said, oh, we'd love it if you would sing that as my wife sort of walks, walks in. So she, she sung that. So it's, it's, it's a really special song for us. Of course. So you must sort of have a lot of artists presented to you, whether that's via a scout or you're sourcing them, you're sort of like you come across them yourself. How do you sort of suss out who's got it, who hasn't got it, who is not the right fit for you? I mean, they come, artists come from everywhere. It's like people don't, people don't, it doesn't always just someone, it, I sort of, half try and half not try to discover talent. If you spend loads of time just trying to like will it 
will an artist into your life. Like it's not going to happen that way. So it's better just to kind of just make sure that you're keeping your eyes open enough that you are um, aware enough that you're going to come across something. So I try to kind of keep it quite loose and casual, and that seems to have served me pretty well so far. But in terms of like figuring it out, I think you just you have that initial meeting and you and you gauge something off of that. And and but I mean it starts with the music. You hear something in the music, you hear a voice hear a song whatever it is something propels you there but then you you know there's other there's other elements particularly now with things like tiktok and instagram like an artist has to be able to kind of like know how to kind of present themselves they don't have to have it perfect but they have to have a bit of a, a an idea of who they are and and, and every artist i've worked with has had has a strong identity and kind of knows who they are from the start the ones that where They've not been quite sure, and those are the ones that tend not to work. So, do you think um, sort of a TikTok generation, which requires on you being quite appearance-led and very slick, would have weeded out and maybe not given opportunities to artists like Adele, Jack Panate, who are just more, I don't know, authentic, less polished, less slick, just like raw. I mean, I don't know how slick and polished it is at the moment. I mean, there's there's an element of slick and polished. There's an element of like. TikTok can be quite rough around the edges. Like, I think people like that raw authenticity yeah. that you get from TikTok sometimes. Um, it's certainly, I can say for, for, for a fact that it's a different time now than it was back then. I, I think those artists would have see, succeeded in whichever moment in time they appeared because, because they had drive and ambition, you know, and that's, that's so key to an artist's success have you, know. you ever said no to an artist and regretted it because they've gone on to smash it elsewhere on another label um yeah i, I think i really liked florence florence and the machine early on and then i was sort of put off by a show that i saw because it was a bit avant-garde and a bit wily and a bit strange and this is a point where she wasn't writing a lot of her own songs and she was doing covers, but she was, she was great. But I just, I was, I was, I thought she was amazing and really wanted to sign her. And then I wasn't so sure. And it was, the, the, the process was dragging on. And then, then I just kind of like dropped out. I was like, I'm not really up for this. And then, and then, I mean, I don't really regret any of it. It's like, she's an amazing artist and she's done fantastic. It would have been nice to have been part of that, but I've been part of lots of success stories. And so do, do I need to add Florence? I mean, nice to add Florence into the list, but, you know, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't keep me awake at night. But I guess that's, that's, that would, that might be one. Um, but other than that, no. So if we see a guy stood at the back of a gig and not looking like he's there for a party, looking like he's there for business, it's you scouting out who's on stage. <laughs> Sometimes it's me could be me or it could be any number of sort of miserable way in our people. <laughs> um, we tend to be, yeah, you're right. I mean, we tend to be the surly kind of people standing at the back. Uh, unimpre- un- unimpre- I, I think we're all quite poker-faced in those situations. You know, you're not trying to give too much away. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you, I hear you. What, I want to get an insight into like a day in the life of someone like you. What is a bad day at work? When do you come home and just think, oh my God, get me a gin and tonic today in a long one? 
Um, I mean, days can be very long. You can start your day early. You might you might have to start the day with a nine o'clock meeting with the company, the label, whatever. And you could you could you know, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of pressure that, that and, and and various things throughout the day that can kind of make it hard. Um, although the work itself, it's not hard. I mean, look, we personally speaking, like however hard it feels, I have to remind myself that like, I could be doing some a, re- a really hard job. So like, I'm always grateful that I get to do what I do, you know. Um, so, but but it's the it's the it's the long hours. So and 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 being away from your families in between those hours, you might have a really nice lunch. Or you might have a drink with someone and have some fun, or you might have a really difficult conversation with your boss or with an artist or with a manager. So, so there's so within a even on a bad day, you, there can be good good bits in it. You know. I was going to say you mentioned there are difficult conversations. I imagine a lot of your job involves that. Is there an art to delivering bad news? Is there an art to sort of telling an artist? Because I think we a lot of people will assume that these artists that like you build them up, you build them up, you build them up, and then actually sometimes you might need a, a real talk conversation to be like, actually, listen here, this is how it's kind of going to go. You have to take the authority. Yeah. How, how do those conversations work? That's um, never um, difficult. Conversations are never easy, are they? Whatever it is, but but I think you, you have to be honest with people. I'm I'm a lot better at it than I used to be. I think. Can still be quite blunt um but I, I don't i don't think shying away from difficult conversations is, is necessarily a good idea no i don't and, and, you know it's not going to help in the long run is it so so i i you know i think you have to just approach those things head on really what about say if an artist you're looking after is in trouble maybe beyond music or whatever do you still have a role mm. I guess I'm thinking about Dizzy here when everything came up about him recently as somebody who signed him can, can you if can you be standoff can kind of just be like let other teams deal with that or do you have to have chats well I mean I I wasn't working with with Dizzy at, at, at that time but but he's still a friend and, and I've, I've seen him I'm just I'm just here as a friend for him now you know if he had been, if he had been signed to the label, would you have had to have like business chats with him? I mean, that's that's down to the business, isn't it? it, it yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a tricky question. I'm not quite sure how to respond to that. I mean, I deal with difficult situations with artists all the time. Um, that artists, like anyone else, they they come across they 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 they, they, they come across adversity in their lives same as we all do right so i try to just be a, a, a friend and, and, and someone who can sort of help try try and help and and i take my duty of care to to the artists i work with very seriously and i think that's the thing that, that the music business takes very seriously now as a whole which wasn't talked about years ago it's a recent thing Beyond kind of having those um, tricky conversations, do you think that you can see artists as actual people? Do nerves ever factor? Has there been an artist that you've worked with that you think, oh my God, I'm, you, I'm starstruck around you? Or does he have to drop that pretty early door? Oh, for me? Uh, no, I mean, that, that, 
really. No, because you knew them when they were just like an 18-year-old kid, you know? Like, they're still the 18-year-old kid that you met, you know? Is that uh, the trick, locking them in early doors before they get too big for their boots and being like, oh, I'm no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I, I'm not one of these people that entertains the sort of nonsense of, like, yes, being a yes person or any of that. I mean, you get plenty of that. Uh, the people that come... People that come late, the people that come post success are the people that won't have the honest conversation or won't be real with the artist or won't like tell some, tell them, tells, tells the artist something they should need to hear. But we're always real with them, you know. So, um, no, I don't, that doesn't please me. We've covered a bad day at work. When do you get home and think, what a great day at work? Uh, I mean, trying to think of great days. I mean, there's lots of them. There's so many great things that happen. Uh, you can you can be having a hit record. You can cut. You can have seen an artist play a fantastic show. They could have sent you a piece of music that just blows your mind. Um, you could discover a new artist and get really excited about them. You could. Uh, could be signing a deal there's 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 so many opportunities for um celebrating having a good good day did you watch Adele at Hyde Park this summer Uh, I didn't I didn't make it actually no no the last time I saw her was at the Palladium show which was just 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 under a year ago yeah the album launch and at a time like that do you think oh my gosh I remember that girl that really confident 18-year-old who walked into my office at Ladbroke Grove and look at her now. Yeah, that was like that was like being in a movie, I have to say. That was that was my movie moment where I walked I, I the day before her, her, her I got the um I got the call from her assistant that there was a ticket for me and my wife, and we turned up and saw saw like loads of people I knew in the bar beforehand from over the years. And this is sort of, I guess, like 15 years after first meeting her or something. And then being shown to my seat and like being nearer and nearer and nearer the front. And then me and my wife were sitting right in the front row. And I just felt sort of embarrassed, but sort of proud as well, you know? And you're seeing, yeah, you're, you're, you're whilst watching this like artist that's matured and is this big, sort of global superstar you're remembering like oh she sang at our wedding and I'm here my wife and and um and yeah you just you're just having all these flashbacks and it was it was great like I say it was like a bit in the movie yeah you know it was amazing yeah I guess so because you see like you said the artists will go over like their own personal adversity over the years but also in terms of career like artists like the rest of us will have sort of ups and downs but particularly something like a if you're a musician you're so forward facing and things will flop and the public won't always be your best mate so to have known you've gone through all those times had those conversations yeah. picked this artist back up and to have made it to the other side that just must feel joyous yeah no it's a great sort of I mean it's not an ending but it's a great sort of moment of reflection to kind of step back and kind of go wow like she she really she's really achieved a lot and but it's it's still going, isn't it? And she's still hugely successful, and I'm sure there's lots more to come. 
at any one time, how many artists are you working with or how many sort of are you engaged with, whether it's you're signing them or you already have signed them? How how big is your book? I mean, I try to I try to not have any more than sort of five artists at a time that I'm working with because you you, you can't give it attention to it's more than that. You know? Um like I, I, I there was a very really good moment in about 2006 where I had Dizzy, MIA, Dell, um, Cajun Dance Party, uh, Jack Pinata. It was like a, and they were all making records at, at that summer. And I remember kind of bouncing from studio to studio uh, through the day and just being really excited in that moment of like, being able to kind of benchmark one artist against the other and it just it just felt really exciting so um so that was when i had like probably the most artists that i was working with at any one time um yeah i just i just tried to keep it no more than sort of it's not a rule but you can't you can't really do a proper job and is it important that the artists on your book are a little bit different because i imagine Otherwise, then you're like cherry picking who you're putting forward for certain, I don't know, deals, gigs, songwriters. Do you kind of need like diversity so you don't have? Yeah, that? I mean, I just, I just, I just have a broad taste anyway, and I would, I wouldn't want to just have one type of artist, you know. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be. Yeah, the, the idea of just keep trying to repeat the same thing over is quite boring. <laughs> it's boring who do you have on your books at the moment that we should be expecting in years to come to be, have a night at the palladium oh well i mean yeah fingers crossed so so myself and my partner nick shamansky who's amy's original manager we set up a, a, a management company a record label publishing company uh, a few years ago so our first artist that we worked on together is an artist called lola young yeah so um we, we're, we're sort of three years into that. We've had a global pandemic. It's been very tricky, but she's amazing. She, we're just about to kind of get into the next phase with her. And we're really excited about it. Island Records, as you signed to, is really excited about it. So we kind of feel like it's been a, it's been a turbulent few years, but we're really about to kind of hit an exciting kind of moment, really. So you say you're about to take it to another a new phase. Is that like you've been yeah. in, been in the studio? She's sort of had the songwriting. Do you link her up with stylists and choreographers to get the image on brand? And then it's about actually putting her out to the world. Yeah, I mean she's she's existed as an artist for three years, but but she's evolved and developed through that time, and it's been amazing to kind of see that uh, development. You know, she's been amazing. Alan Records have been really amazing to work with in how they've challenged her and us to to you know they've they they really have every belief in her as do we that she has the ability to be a huge star but that doesn't just happen overnight it just doesn't matter it doesn't happen just because we all want that it takes a lot of work and we're three years in and we're still chipping away and we're going to get there because we've got we've got this amazing project coming out next year which which everyone's really excited about um it and, it, sounds- and it's yeah it sounds Sorry? quite parental, like you're almost raising these people, like, and it's not just an overnight success, like you say, like you really have to build up their confidence, nurture them, find out what works for them, then put them in the right places in a way that a parent will try and get them into the right school and stuff. Yeah, no, it is. It's very, we, we feel very protective of everyone we work with. 
as I say, said before, we take our duty of care very seriously. Um, and yeah, it's it's we we we're never the we're never an artist's parents, but we are we are people that are there to kind of help them through good times and difficult times. It's a family of sorts. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Nick, you have been fabulous to talk to you've been super interesting shed so much like mainly most importantly explained what a and r is i think everyone listening will have a grasp of that now i'm glad i managed to explain it (laughs) no you did you did we always end the podcast with a piece of advice something you picked up over your career that you sort of employ on a day-to-day basis a weekly basis can you think of any nuggets of wisdom that you can share probably lots but the thing that kind of springs into my mind immediately when you say that is just um, follow your passion, you know. So as long as you follow your passion, that that should sort of take to where you, you need to go. Yeah, I think no matter what industry you're in, that's something that we, we can all learn from. Thank you so much. And if we are going to check out any of Lola's songs, what song should we start with? Um... I mean, she's about to put out a new song called Stream of Consciousness. Um, so there's that. There's a song called Blind Love that's one of her more successful songs. But this whole load of music out on, on DSPs that people can hear. It's all great. Uh, and the best is yet to come from her. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to go cook my dinner and listen to some Lola Young. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you so, Good so much for talking. I appreciate it massively. Thanks for having me. Great. massive thank you to Nick for chatting if you want to keep up with his work you can head to his Instagram at Nick Huggett if you're still listening I want to say a big thanks to you too this was the last episode of season three and if you've enjoyed the season so far there is a huge back catalogue of episodes that you can listen to with loads of talented guests from Dua Lipa's choreographer to Mariah Carey's hairstylist enjoy and we'll be back soon